Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, Randy? I'm doing fabulous. I am really excited about our guest today. We're going to start a new journey, and I'm always excited when we start these new journeys with these people. So why don't you tell us who we're going to be uh, exploring with today? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm also really excited about this one. Um, She is one of the premier flying disc professional athletes of all time with success in ultimate, overall, and freestyle. She's also tied for the most mixed pairs wins at seven uh, and is arguably one of the best women beach jammers in the world. Welcome to the call, Amy Schiller. Oh, what an intro. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Randy, for having me here. Absolutely. We, like I say, we're so excited. And we'll just start off with the first question that we start off with everyone is, so how did Frisbee come into your life? Oh, yeah. The University of Illinois, when I was a freshman in 1981, I was introduced to Ultimate, actually in the very first week of school. And I played with a group of kids that were on my uh, dorm floor. And, you know, it was real informal, but it was super crazy cool. So that was my very first introduction to any formal Frisbee sport. But Just two months later, I met the captain and co-captain of the ultimate Frisbee team at the University of Illinois. I met him at CAMS. I was shooting pool. I was hustling. And uh, they thought, hey, why don't you uh, come out and check out our ultimate Frisbee club? It was co-ed at the time. And I went out to that first practice. I ran and ran and ran. And I never missed a practice after that. So ultimate was the gateway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then my uh, best friend from college, Nan Moreau Babakanyan, was also on the Ultimate team. And she and I started the first University of Illinois Women's Ultimate Club, Drastic Plastic, um, that very same year. You know, we never looked back. I mean, this was a time when the Women's Ultimate was just getting started because it had been co-ed previous to that. So, Uh, We got that team together. Uh, We started traveling regionally, as the college students do. And, um, you know, I don't think we were a super winning team. But, uh, you know, like they say at the right life, the most fun wins. So that's interesting. So I always thought Nan was from New York City. And I always associated drastic plastic with New York City. So did she come to the University of Illinois from New York? Yeah, her daddy is uh, was a mathematics professor at the University of Illinois. So they were just there somewhat temporarily. Yeah, Nan was there simultaneous to me. Okay, so I um, had a thought. So you said you went to the first practice and ran and ran and ran and then never missed another practice. When I went to my first ultimate thing and ran and ran, I thought, there's no way I'm ever going to do that again. That's so much running and I barely touched the disc. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) How does that connect for you with uh, so much running being fun? Okay. Uh, full disclosure there, uh, I had been kind of this track star, I guess, in high school. 800 meter, um, I had the, my high school record 
And uh, at the University of Illinois, it was natural for me to just begin by joining the cross country team. And I hated it. Uh, we would run and run and run around, you know, the, the cornfields and it smells like you, you can guess what uh, out there. It's just farmland. And then also it's just a bunch of farm girls. Like I wasn't feeling it. You know, I was kind of a city girl. So it was just such a joy to uh, bust over from, you know, competitive like D1 athletics and just uh, enjoy the freedom of Sport Club Ultimate. That's awesome. It's sort of a mix of your already athletic talent, as well as finding a, a culture that really fit with who you are. You hit it on the head, you know. Um, I just, uh, we just had the coolest bunch. Um, and we were kind of the hippies, okay. But at the same time, too, you know, um, University of Illinois, of course, is, uh, like I said, in the farm country, but there's a lot of Chicagoans there. So Chicago people are, how would you say, honest, direct. And so, yeah, I definitely got along a lot better with the ultimate team than I did with the uh, cross-country girls. Wow. Well, you know, the Windy City, Chicago, has got a lot of Frisbee history and a lot of history from back in the, you know, late 70s, early 80s. All sorts of overall action NAS tournaments were held there. So was there still a vibrant scene beyond Ultimate um, there or was Ultimate kind of the dominant thing regarding Frisbee at the time while you were there? I am just getting the chills because you just gave me the perfect segue into what happened next. Because after my freshman year in college, well, wait, let's let's double back. Um, in the spring, which is the competitive collegiate season, I met all kinds of people um, from from Chicago, from around the state and the region as well. But in particular, the Windy City team invited me to come and practice with them in the summertime. So that was incredible because you're talking about Windy City in their heyday. And I got to practice at Bryn Mawr Park every Tuesday and Thursday evening with some of the great Hall of Fame ultimate players of all time. And uh, they definitely took me under their wing. Um, I want to give a shout out in particular to Pat Tower. Pat Tower isn't a Hall of Famer. He's maybe not a name that a lot of people know, but he did um, come to University of Illinois. He wasn't there during my freshman year, but I think it was either sophomore or junior year. And that's when, I mean, he taught me how to power throw. That guy is a boomer. We would, um, we actually got together, me, Nan, and Pat, and we did our own little like regional championship. We're doing MTAs, power throws in our indoor field. And, um, He's a guy that definitely taught me a lot that helped me become a, a really good overall player. Um, was that your first exposure to the field events was through Pat? Yeah, more or less. I mean, Nan was also interested in field events, but, you know, Nan um, is just a, a beautiful freestyler. Um, so she was a little more into that. Bless her heart. Um, she dealt with my my counter spin because at the time, all I was doing, I was only able to throw sort of a, a wimpy sidearm to get her any counter spin. And, uh, but mostly what Nan and I did was played ultimate and freestyle. We were the quad girls. So we would go out to the quad at the U of I and show off. Well, that dovetails into the question of like, well then, so when was the first time that you saw freestyle? So you saw ultimate and then Nan's freestyling and you guys are kind of connected. So 
when was that first freestyle moment? Well, it was that very first summer with Windy City. Uh, we decided we would go out to the overall championships in Santa Cruz, California. We drove out, which is quite an experience, right, from Chicago. And Mike O'Dowd, Mike Glass, I can't remember everybody that was in the car. <laughs> but we got there somehow. And I saw Donnie Rhodes play. I think he might have been trying to show off right in front of me because I was sitting in the front of the circle out there in Santa Cruz. And he came over by me. He like received a throw near me and he did this indie like right in front of me. And probably my jaw was completely dropped. I was just so blown away because he was so gorgeous. And what he was doing was just so crazy. And that was what made me know I had to learn how to do the nail delay. So maybe that I could become friends with him. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I mean, Donnie Rhodes is one of my heroes, too. And he is gorgeous. And yeah, mind blowing. So I can see how that would be an instigator to say, hey, I think I might do that. And I think that year, too, Stacey and Carolyn were the cover girls. You know, there was an illustration art on the poster either that year or the next of them. Um, and Carolyn was doing that like back walkover move and stuff. So they were a couple other of the like big inspirations. So luckily, at some point in my career, I got to play with both of them. <laughs> Winner. So yeah, those were my that, those were my the people that I saw that just made me think this is surreal. How amazing the sport is. So then you see freestyle in Santa Cruz, and now you're back in Illinois. So you start playing on a regular basis. How does that go? Only when Nan made me. I was just an ultimate player. Just wanted to play ultimate. It's the best sport ever. You still think that? Well, you know, in a, a lifetime of joyous frisbee playing, I think that each one of the sports kind of fits into some section in my heart. But yeah, I still think that. Okay. I wish I could still play ultimate. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Time will tell. I did play ultimate as recently as. Uh, Let's see, was that two years ago in um, 2018, I uh, was invited by Nan to participate in the Team Atlantis co-rec team playing in the Great Grand Masters Club Ultimate Championships in Sardinia and Italy, Club Beach Ultimate Championships. That's one of my most fun tournaments ever. It was so gorgeous and so fun. Got to also um, made a connection with a bunch of new friends. Sarah Savage was a member of our team. She's always been one of the most gregarious ultimate women of all time. So it was really cool to be uh, back with her, uh, friends with her again. And it's just ongoing. It's just been such a joyous, (laughs) such a joyous road. I love that. It's kind of like the the circle, like it began there. You did the whole circle and touched all the bases. Then you circled right back. And there you were two years ago playing ultimate again, but also playing it on the beach. I mean, that is a butt kicker, man. Playing ultimate in the sand, playing ultimate on grass can be a butt kicker, but playing in the sand is super exhausting. So big props to those beach ultimate players for sure. Yeah, beach ultimate's really been coming around. I actually only could play on the sand because, you know, when you're wearing cleats and on the turf, it's a lot harder. So the sand has its forgiveness as well. 
True, true. And I love that Nan was also there with you again, as you're talking about beginning the journey with her. There she was at that beach tournament in Sardinia. Yeah. And so, as you mentioned, in a circle, let's just hope that there's a whole a whole another one. Let's keep spinning. Yeah. Let the circle keep going. <laughs> so, well, then let's step back a little bit. And why don't you talk about what was your first freestyle competition and what did that look like? Yeah. My first freestyle competition was the U.S. Open in um, 1987. I went into that tournament more so thinking of overall, and um, I didn't have a partner until I was at at the tournament. And I partnered up with Terry Bogenhagen, who hails from Minnesota. And she is just this incredible woman. Terry and I played really, really well. That was very exciting. Um, I think, though, that freestyle-wise, that was kind of a standalone. And I don't recall like playing in a lot of freestyle tournaments at that time because I was part of the Safari Women's Ultimate Team. And that was very demanding. So we were um, we were competing and, and traveling a lot. Right after I graduated from the University of Illinois, I moved um, to L.A. Um, my parents had actually just relocated there, which was kind of convenient. <laughs> So I moved in with my folks in L.A. and was playing in Los Angeles for a year. But then I met up with the girls from Safari and my friend Elaine um, Gernon, Elaine Gernon Paulson, kind of recruited me to start playing with Safari. So I was living in L.A., but I was um, traveling to San Diego most weekends to practice. Um, And it was the Safari girls who, you know, like Wendy Coates and Annie Kreml. Mandy, Mandy Carrero, Liz Herrick, all those amazing overall players and and freestylers too, right? I mean, Mandy Carrero shreds and Liz too. And Wendy too. I I actually, the second year at the U.S. Open, I played freestyle with Wendy. I played uh, freestyle and double disc court with Wendy uh, Coates pins. So yeah, Safari was a really important part of my Frisbee upcoming so how did you go from just doing ultimate into doing overall events? So I got into playing overall because for starters, the Chicago Windy City team was into overall. You know, we had Pat Tower there, right, who I talked about. We also had John Conley, you know, the Flying Aces. The first time I played disc golf was, you know, of course, casually um, in the Chicago area with Windy City people. And then playing with Safari later um, in the late 80s was when I was um, convinced by my teammates like Mandy, Wendy, Liz, Annie to compete in the U.S. Open Championships. But that's interesting. There was a lot of crossover from Ultimate sort of in the mid 80s into the overall scene, because like you say, Annie Kreml was like a rock star, right? She I think she's won several overalls. Chris O'Clary. Um, Mary Lowry, homie here, um, like you say, Liz Herrick and and Mandy and and those people really kind of came from the ultimate funnel, correct? Yeah, all the um, all the greats and overall were were from ultimate. Yeah, for women's overall for sure. I just remember the women's division being so intense. Maybe you could talk about battling it out with those incredible competitors at that time in the women's division in the overall. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um... Well, I won seven world overall and U.S. Open titles. First one was in 89 and the last one was in 99. Um, wow. 
And I mean, it's definitely a lot of strategy in the overall, on the one hand, trying to reserve energy and on the other hand, figuring out the courses, the disc golf situation, the discathon course, things like that. I don't know if I ever really thought about it as battling against people. You know, it's kind of always been like figuring it out. You know, it's like a Rubik's cube. I think battle may be the wrong the wrong term because it really probably is more of an internal battle. The, the the pressure is always there. Yeah. Well, one thing, you know, that's interesting is like watching the tiny room challenge. It's cool to see the, the people that have figured out the strategy for it, because, you know, in TRC, it's always like you want to get on the board. And that just means, you know, hey, you know, you got a killer throw. You've got a great disc. It's like, you know how to do this. Just get one up and catch it. Then guess what? You know, the nerves go away and then you can start to take some risks. That's how I got my world record Um, up in Santa Cruz in 1991. I was able to get on the board. I don't remember if it was my second or third throw was the best. I threw an 11.81 second MTA up in Santa Cruz late in the evening. I practiced so hard on that field. It was the upper field, right? At Santa Cruz, you know, that gorgeous field. And it was like, Late in the day, the sun was setting, but there was still like a sweet lift up wind that comes up that hill. I had been working on it a lot. That was one where I wasn't really being very mindful of saving my energy because for some reason I just wanted that event so bad. And uh, I think it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. World record. eleven. Um, what was the time you said? 11.81. Gosh, that's so long. That's amazing. So what's really crazy, you guys, is that recently I learned about a person named Don Sauce Kane, who is an individual who I had all these things in common with. He passed away, I think, a year and a half ago or so. But um, there was recently a celebration uh, of his life and of his MTA world record. Now, that dude had like an 18-second thing or something like that. He and I had these things in common. We both came from playing Ultimate on really high-level competitive teams, him on the East Coast, me on the West. He was in a television commercial. I got to drive the Jeep. He got to uh, advertise the Pepsi. And we both have long-standing world records in MTA. His still stands, and so does mine, at least right now while we're recording this. That's uh, interesting. And did your paths ever cross? No, that's the thing why it's so weird to me. But he was an East Coast person and, you know, like, oh, hey, you know, this is Don. You guys have all this stuff in common. I didn't know about him until after he had passed. I'm curious how that transformation took place. So you start in uh, 87 going to overalls and by 89 you're winning overalls and you're kind of shifting your focus. So what happens in your life and your mind that makes that that takes that transition? Well, I kept playing Ultimate until like 99. So really, there was no transition. You just kept adding on. (laughs) Well, I guess, you know, it's probably another Santa Cruz experience. I mean, gosh, each one of these Santa Cruz experiences keep coming up. I mean, first it was St. Donnie. Then I I just talked to you about the Santa Cruz experience that actually happened later. But in 94 was the first time that Dave Schiller and I played freestyle together. And that made a difference because I fell in love. 
we played a lot of freestyle. I mean, freestyle in San Diego, too, was um, just incredible. We had a huge community, over 20 high-level players living in San Diego, you know, meeting at the Cove. That's that whole La Jolla Cove Friday's memory. And um, yeah, in 94, Dave and I started to compete together. The first time was in Santa Cruz. From there, of course, then I started to play a lot more freestyle because that was what me and my boyfriend were doing. I have to say, those Santa Cruz fields hold a lot of magic for all of us. And uh, I'm, I'm sure they hold some magic for you too, Jake. Yeah, definitely. I've had a lot of great experiences there, and I know a lot of us had. Man, if those fields could talk, imagine the stories that they would tell. Yeah, that would be amazing. And on that note, I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, Shooting the Frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbee.